You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. Today, I'm talking to Craig Chavez Jr. He's an author and a coach that specializes in helping working professionals launch profitable businesses and successfully transition into full-time entrepreneurship. He is a serial entrepreneur, a returned Peace Corps volunteer, a former Division I athlete, and received his BSBA from Samford University and MBA from the University of Tampa. Craig is also a super foodie, a world traveler, and a lifelong learner. So thank you so much, Craig, for coming on my show today, Catalyst for Change, Stories of Resiliency. Can you tell me a little bit about your story and what's been the catalyst in your life? Yeah, well, abrupt change and getting used to change and understanding that change is one of the few constants other than death and bills in life that you're going to run into. And so for me... Um, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, but growing up, I, I, I moved around a lot because of my father's job. I went to m- multiple different high schools, just kind of put that frame of mind uh, out there. And so for me, getting used to all this change was tough because I had to adapt to new cultures, new environments, and new pe- people. And so I had to constantly reinvent myself. And little did I know how that would pave the way for the man I would become and who's talking to you today. And so what kept me grounded through all that change and turmoil um, was football. And I was a really good football player, a pretty highly recruited uh, cornerback. And I got a Division I football scholarship that took me from Ohio down to Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, my sophomore year, I finally got the opportunity to get some more playing time. But I tore my hamstring, and that pretty much ended my playing career. And that led me into a spiral of depression that almost caused me to drop out of, of school. But um, fortunately, fate intervened and my Spanish professor locked me in her office and told me that dropping out would be the biggest mistake I'd ever make. And she convinced me to apply to study abroad in Costa Rica because she's like, this change of environment would allow me to clear my head and make a, a really positive decision. So I did. I went to Costa Rica for three months and it completely changed my perspective. I mean, I became fluent in another language experienced another culture, met a whole bunch of amazing people, but it also opened me to the perspective of living and working in another country. And I got hooked on that. And I came back to Alabama refreshed and I became more entrepreneurial and creative. I started DJing on the side to to make ends meet because I didn't have a full athletic scholarship anymore before I joined the the, the men's soccer team. And so, but I used those proceeds from uh, DJing to invest in studying abroad again in Spain the next summer. And I just got addicted to that. So I wound up graduating with a double major in international business and entrepreneurship and minored in Spanish. And I knew staying in Alabama wasn't for me. So um, I followed my parents' advice and went to Florida to get my MBA. And so I knocked that out in little under a year. But before I was finishing up with my uh, graduate degree, I was interviewing in New York and San Francisco at tech companies. And I just didn't feel like corporate America or the startup scene was for me because I didn't see a lot of people 
who looked like me or thought like me. And I just didn't want to be that diversity hire and checkbox that would just do the same job over and over again and not really get to elevate in their career. But fate came at me again. There was another life change that came out the blue. And uh, I ran into a Peace Corps recruiter at a Chipotle in Manhattan before I returned to Tampa, Florida. And I told her my story. And she's like, you'd make the perfect Peace Corps volunteer. So I applied to serve in the Peace Corps and I got the opportunity to do economic development in Peru for two and a half years. And so I was doing business coaching, business consulting with a lot of farmers, doing import exporting, fair trade certification, and teaching youth entrepreneurship all across the country. And I found this opportunity to start a business in Peru once I got done. And on the side of me doing all this coaching and consulting, I was teaching myself how to distill. And many of the farmers that I was coaching became my first clients. And so after I got done with the Peace Corps, I got bold and I immigrated back to Peru by myself and opened up one of the country's first branded craft distilleries on a beach town only a couple hours away from where I used to live. And it's a crazy experience. I mean, in less than nine months, we got four different products to market. We were exporting some of my liqueurs to uh, different parts of the country. A little bit got exported internationally. And as I was growing out of my space, I had to approach my landlord to uh, extend the lease and get a different part of the property to uh, expand my storage and bottling capabilities. And that's when I found out that they didn't own the property to begin with. And so I had to close my business because uh, I was there illegitimately, even though I was a victim of fraud. And so that was my second uh, experience with failure. And But I realized, as I defined in my book, Burdens of a Dream, that fail just means first attempt in learning. And so I took that experience from Peru and propelled myself to go down the entrepreneurial path again, but this time in Washington, D.C., where I was consulting with embassies and helping them to process their travel visas using my blockchain platform. And it was just a really great experience. And when I was in Washington, D.C., I started realizing that I could help other entrepreneurs help help them achieve their business goals. So I started getting on different boards, different accelerators, different incubators. And I really found a calling for helping others become the entrepreneurs of their lives. And so recently, last year, I moved back to Ohio after 10 years of just change and adventure to help support my family. And because my grandmother was getting sick and I needed to help out with her and help my mother out as well. And that's when I got a book deal about the story that I just told you about that story of change. And initially I didn't think I had a story within me, but I realized that if I didn't share what I had learned with the world, I'd be doing the world and myself a disservice. And that's why I entitled the book Burdens of a Dream, because every dream has a cost. But if you're willing to pay that cost, if you're willing to bear that burden, um, you'll live a life that you don't have to run away from. And so one of the most powerful lines in the book, and this will wrap up my intro, is that this book is dedicated to all those who dare to answer their calling to abandon the status quo, follow the road not taken, and discover the person they're truly meant to become. And that's really the embodiment of embracing change and going with the flow, taking calculated risk, creating something out of nothing, and sharing it with the world.
So that's a little bit about me and how I got to this point today. Wow, you had an amazing journey from, you know, thinking you were going to be a football player and that didn't work out. So, you know, that's one thing that didn't work out and you excelled from there. So if you were to stay being a football player, you probably wouldn't have had all those wonderful experiences in the Peace Corps and the travel abroad, learning a different language, um, getting your MBA. You probably would have never done all of those things, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. So that really propelled you that, you know, that incident of, you know, that injury propelled you to the next stage of your life where you mm -hmm. excelled in different ways. And so that's a, that's a really interesting journey. And so through that journey, all the lessons that you learned, the tools that you've, you've taught yourself and you've learned, you're sharing that within that book. And that's the reason that you wanted to write that book is what you're saying? Yes. Because I, I, what I've realized um, in this world, what's, what's not equal is exposure to knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and opportunities. Um, yeah. Because mentors, he, he told me, he's like, Craig, the reason why I've been successful in my career is because I live and die by this thing called the pie formula. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Mills, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, the P stands for performance, I stands for image, and E stands for exposure. And he's like, Craig, which one do you think is most important? And intuitively, the natural competitor in me came out and said, it's all about performance. And he's like, Craig, you're, you're wrong. It's really about exposure. But I didn't really understand that still, until I started traveling around the world and really interacting with people from all backgrounds and all ethnicities and all socioeconomic classes. And it's like, there are really smart people everywhere. There's hardworking people everywhere. There's people yeah. who put forth a great everywhere. But what's not everywhere is exposure to knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and opportunity. And so for me, because I have accumulated all this knowledge, all this wisdom, all this understanding, I've been exposed to all these different opportunities. For me, I felt that it was my burden to share my story with the world so that I can help be the change that I wish to seek in the world. Because another one of my missions is to help change the face of entrepreneurship. But in order to actually promote that, I have to embody that change that I seek. And part of that journey, part of this process was sharing my story and capturing my ideas on paper. So who were some of the mentors that got you to, to where you're at now? It sounds like that Spanish teacher um, mm -hmm. or that, the, the person that was at that school um, encouraging mm -hmm. you to go travel abroad and get a fresh perspective. But what, what were the other mentors that you had along the way? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the things that is really unique about my book and what I did different than most authors is that I put my acknowledgments in the very front of the book because I wanted to open up the, my story with gratitude, thanking all those people who helped me get to where I'm at because like, I really can't stand this fallacy of the self-made individual because none of us are self-made. We all have getting to where we are in life. And yeah, I've made a lot of great decisions. Yeah, I've worked my, my butt off to get to where I'm at, but I've also had help with people guiding me and supporting me along the way. So first and foremost, like on my, as my family, like my, I'm very blessed to have a very supportive family that have supported me in all my non-traditional decisions that I've made. So my family is part of my mentors. Um, I also have uh, two, two uh, men of color in my life, Mr. Mills and Dr. Miller, who always teach me to be an unlimited thinker and they always help me to develop my mindset 
and let me understand that like I'm my biggest competitor and that as long as I continue to think outside the box and get out of my own way, you know, life is possible. Then of course, my professor, Mrs. Crocker, the Spanish teacher, an incredible mentor. And then I have two really great uh, women in my life, Tammy and Dory, who have been some of my best friends since graduate school in Tampa. And like every other day, we're, we're exchanging conversations in WhatsApp, just talking about life. And um, individuals like that have really helped me to get to where I'm at. I'm just really thankful for the awesome people that have intervened and come into my life and have stayed there. Yeah. And so when people are just starting off on their career or they just graduated college in the middle of a pandemic, you know, how would you, what would you say to them on, on how to establish that mentorship relationship with people? Well, it's just for me, like I live by this whole principle of ones, twos, and threes. Ones is that I always have mentors in my life. There's, I'm always a continuous lifelong learner. Twos is that I have peers. So people my age or people in my field that I talk to uh, on a daily basis to kind of do like iron sharpens iron and to basically apply what I've been learning from my mentors. But then the threes are mentees. Like I'm a business coach uh, now in my life, uh, paying it forward to help others become the entrepreneurs of their lives. So I'm constantly teaching. So with this philosophy, I'm always a student, I'm always a warrior, and I'm always a teacher myself. And the beautiful thing is that mentors could come in all shapes or form. Like all of us have our own unique genius that is gifted from God or that we've developed our own, that ourselves. So yeah. anybody, your mentor, it doesn't have to be some old sage that's sitting, you know, in a, in a, on top of a mountain with incense around them no a mentor could be like your friend or it could be somebody younger than you like and for me being only 30 years old and accomplished what i've accomplished it throws a lot of people off when i'm I'm coaching people twice my twice my age but you know knowledge can come from anybody so i just look at any person as an opportunity uh to learn from and so that's just having that mindset of abundance is my best piece of advice for people who are going through these tough times right now well, that's really well put because I know that's, you know, it's really, it could be challenging and it just makes those people even stronger. It makes all of us stronger, these challenging times. Um, and just really, really seeking mentorship wherever you can find it in your life and making sure mm-hmm. you have those peers and then mentoring others. I really like what you said there. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you learn from working in Peru and starting a business and, um, and then also working in Spain? You had some really interesting <laughs> experiences that just yeah. I'd love to hear about. Well, the, the biggest takeaway from Spain was how we are all the same. We just kind of manifest our lives in different ways. And so how I can embody that in a story is that when now, studying abroad in Madrid, they messed up my uh, living arrangements, and we were supposed to be paired with families and, and homes or, um, in, in the city. But they threw me into an apartment building that had people from all over the world. And wow. one of the cool things of experience was that I, I befriended 10 different people that lived on my floor, but we were all from 10 different countries. And the only language that we had in common was Spanish because we were all there to learn Spanish. We all spoke different native languages. And it was just really beautiful to just go out in Madrid with this group of 10 different people from 10 different countries, but we all were just 
humans experiencing Spain and the world and our, and our own perception. And so it was just phenomenal. Like I, I just realized that all these kind of thoughts that we have about people from different countries and other cultures being so different, we're just all the same. But it's that variety of life and how we live differently that makes this world so awesome. And so that was my biggest takeaway from Spain. And like it, that's what really kind of hooked me on to travel is just experiencing the world through these different lenses and different perspectives. Because um, I just love the Spanish culture and just waking up really late and going to going to school by around like 10 o'clock and then having the siesta from two to three, uh, eating a big lunch, taking a nap, and then going back to school from like four to seven. And then you, you relax again and then everybody goes out at night, like it's pitch black and you're eating dinner at 11 p.m. And then if you choose to get out late, like you, you hit the club and you don't get out until like 6 a.m. Like it was just a really different way to live. That sounds so pretty just fun. Being, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so it was just understanding that like the American way isn't the only way. Like there's other ways to live. And so that was my big takeaway from Spain. But um, going to Peru, uh, it's just we could have a week worth of podcast material just the Peruvian experience because it was so rich. Yeah. Um, studying abroad is one thing, but then becoming a citizen of another country and living with people um, intimately, like in their own homes, working with people in the fields, uh, t- living with uh, students, teaching students, like it was just such a transformative experience. And I just tell people, just imagine having the mirror taped in front of your face 24-7, 365 that you can't escape from and so like you had to just deal with yourself and how your emotional experiences were really really high and you felt like a a super person or you had days where like you were on a really low low and you're wondering like what the hell were you doing in the middle of nowhere trying to help people um, (laughs) change the way they're living and I think the most humbling thing about serving in the Peace Corps is that you kind of go in with this hubris that you're this subject matter expert and you're going to teach people and you're going to change the world and then you get in your community and reality smacks you in the face and you quickly learn that like you're going to learn a million times more than you ever teach and I was just really humbled by the proving culture and the experience and it was just so beautiful and that's why I immigrated back there by myself because like I, I literally became Peruvian and uh it was just I could go on for days but it just oh, really sounds- taught me about and what I was made of, and that I could really do anything I set my mind to. Because I wasn't supposed to be there. Like, I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing in Peru, if you look back from. So it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And so you're right, with being in, being in public health or being in the Peace Corps, when you go in to help a community, you oftentimes learn way more than the you know, they, yeah, you teach them some things, but you have to look at things in a totally different light it sounds mm-hmm. like. Oh, completely. Like, that's the only way for success. Yeah. And that's people fail in international development is that they go in with this Western imperialist mindset. And it's like, you can't do that. You have to go yeah. in and you have to find a balance because it has to be mutual value creation. Like, yeah, I come in as a subject matter expert and I could do certain things, but there are people in my community that were asking way more out of me than I could do. Like, I just couldn't bring in a million U.S. dollars and 
and build a new school or, or, or build better farming uh, factories or whatever you name it. So it was just finding the sweet spot between like what I could offer and what people really needed instead of wanted. And once you find that crossroads between what you can present and what people need, that's where the magic happened. And that's why so many of the projects that I did are still running sustainably and automatically down there, even though I've been gone four to five, five years. Wow. Now, do you, do you ever get to go back and see how those projects and those people are doing? I haven't been back in Peru since uh, 2017, since I had to liquidate my business. But I talk to my host family probably on a monthly basis. Uh, some of the professors I work with, I chat with probably on a quarterly basis. Same with some of the farmers. And I know for a fact that some of the businesses I help my students start up, like, you know, whether it was a little tienda or a store or like a little jewelry business that I helped one of my students create are actually still in existence. And so just getting like these reports and then even communicating with the Peace Corps staff. Like I have a call with one of my Peace Corps trainers um, on Friday. And so I'm still very much in contact and involved with the people that I worked with from when I got in country in 2014. So that's how like powerful that experience was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. And the Peace Corps, I mean, that just prepares you for any business that you go into. Here you were like getting out of your MBA program in one year, which is like unheard of. I have, yeah, that's really tough. And then tech companies wanting you, but you didn't want to be like just a number for, you know, you have to hire so many of this, of this culture, or, you know, you didn't want to be a number. So you decided to go this route. Wow. That's pretty cool. So what are you doing now? So I've really transmuted from an entrepreneur of things into what I say is an entrepreneur of people. And my whole mission as a coach is to help people become the entrepreneurs of their lives. And it's a really big paradigm shift because in my book, I had to redefine what entrepreneurship meant to me. And mm. I defined in, in my introduction, uh, a creative entrepreneur is somebody who takes a calculated risk to create something out of nothing and share it with the world. And so that thing can be an object, it can be a business, or it could be your life, because I view life as a business. Mm. And when I started doing a lot of coaching, whether it was in the US, in Spain, in Peru, or Costa Rica, like I realized just like your significant other is a reflection of you, your business is a reflection of you as well. So I found myself doing business coaching, leadership coaching, personal development coaching, career coaching, executive coaching, like everything was weaved together so I've really become this multidisciplinary coach where like the business like the whole like tangible business uh, coaching is the tip of the iceberg but then it goes so much deeper because it's really about me developing you into the entrepreneur of your life so that you can live with purpose intention and leave a positive impact and once the entrepreneurs themselves are in the right frame of mind then their businesses automatically develop into something amazing. But yeah. I had to write my story because that was one of the reasons why my distillery failed. It wasn't necessarily all because of the fraud that I was a victim of, but I, I created a business that I was a slave to. And it was because I, I was mentally burnt out. I was worn out. I was micromanaging my employees. I didn't, I didn't trust anybody. And I didn't put any systems or processes in there. I lost 30 pounds in two months due to stress. Um, 
I was just, I was just wasn't in a, in a good place. And because my mental health wasn't there, I wasn't able to see a lot of the nefarious activities that were going on around me that could have prevented me from, you know, doing, making some poor business decisions. And yeah. so ultimately from that experience, I realized like as a coach, I have to help people be their best selves mentally first so that they can build the best business they can build. And so that's what I find myself doing today. Oh, and that's, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I said, and I love it. I love it. Oh, that's good. That sounds pretty rewarding to build up people instead of things. So you're, you're helping people build themselves up, build their businesses up and um, keep their mental health at the forefront. And also learning, to, learning from your experience that you had in Peru and learning to put systems and processes in place, it sounds like, to make sure that business keeps running smoothly and they don't have to micromanage everything that their employees are doing. For sure, because there's a big difference uh, between working in your business and working on it. And I found myself being trapped working in my business and micromanaging the operations instead of working on it and developing my employees, developing systems, developing processes. So I didn't have to be there on a daily basis doing you know, redundant activities. And so it, it takes a lot of strategy to complete that, but once you do, you've built a business that works for you so that you can live the life that you want to live because your business is really a vehicle to allow you to live um, on your own terms because you've created something of value that is making the world a better place, but then you're getting streams of income from that. And so that's how I kind of reverse engineer my coaching and my methodology. It's about helping others first and then in return, that's how you make a living. And so uh, everything is just fully aligned with who I am and what I do because I've built a business around who I am. And so in order for my business to grow, I have to grow. And yeah. so it's a challenge, but it's super rewarding at the same time. Oh, that's good. Now, what is your definition of failure? It sounds like you've had a lot of success or failures that turned into success or seemingly failures, but Yeah. Failure is the inability to learn from your mistakes. That's really how I define it. I mean, in my book, I said fail means a first attempt at learning because I believe failure is something positive. Like how, like for you, for example, you just started a podcast, like you're learning new stuff every day. You're going to mm -hmm. inevitably, you're doing something you've never done before. So you can't fault yourself. Yeah. There. But where you can fault yourself if you're not learning from your mistakes and so for me, I never criticize people for hitting rock bottom or making bad decisions because we all do that. I've done that. I've made a handful of terrible decisions that put me in some very precarious situations. Um, obviously, I can't go into them, but where the, the magic really happens is when people rise up like a phoenix from the ashes. And so it's not people falling down, it's people's inability to get back up. And yeah. so for me, you, it just, that's failure. It's not getting back up and not learning from the mistakes that you made. Oh, interesting. No, that's really well put. Well, can you think of anything we may not have covered? We covered so many interesting topics with you today. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, it's like when you're talking about catalysts uh, for change, when, and like one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you and share my story is that we, we all encounter 
crossroads in our life. Like for me, one, another reason why I wrote this book as I wrote it for anybody who's arrived at a personal or professional crossroads within their life. And fortunately and unfortunately, COVID has delivered that to the world on a gold platter. And so as inevitably, when you're making moves, when you're trying to grow or just when you're living period, you're, you're gonna run into crossroads, which are a metaphor for change. And so for me, change is inevitable, but I've just developed a mentality where I've embraced change and change is fun. And that life without change is dull. And so I really admire what you're doing and the message you're putting forth because like without change, life is boring. Like, I mean, another metaphor, I like speaking of metaphors is like when you see people at a hospital and they put the EKG machine on them and, you know, it shows the heartbeat and it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, to me, that symbolizes changing your life. It's the up and down, up and down. But when somebody flatlines, that means that they're on their way out of here permanently. And so mm-hmm. me, when life is flat, there is no change. But you feel the most alive when you're, that, heart, that heartbeat is going up and down, up and down. And that's when you're constantly experiencing change. And so I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really good to keep in mind. I like the, um, the metaphor of an EKG machine. That's really neat. I really like that. Um, so I have a last question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do every day? What rituals do you have in place to keep you in the right mindset? Well, the number one thing is being consistent. I think most people are uh, inconsistent and that's what throws them off. So for me, my, one of my things that I do consistently is I get up every day at 5, 5.30 in the morning I eat a really good breakfast, and then I do my hardest work between 6.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Because I know myself. I know how I think. And so for me, my morning rituals of getting up, stretching, eating a good breakfast, and then immediately doing my hardest work when my Mm. brain's anxious is what contributes to my success. And I do that consistently on a daily basis minus the one day out of the week a Sunday where I may sleep in the 7 a.m., which is not sleeping in at all. But I'm very consistent with how I work. And um, I built a life that I don't have to run away from. And everything's integrated into my being. So it it makes it really easy for me to be consistent because I enjoy everything I do. Well, very, very good. I really like that. And that to me too, I, I feel like your, your best work is done at your prime time. And that, that sounds like the morning is your prime time. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show, Catalyst for Change. I will have all the information about your book, where to get in touch with you, your website, and our show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really enjoyed this. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to leave me a comment or email me at catalystforchange20 at gmail.com. Or on Facebook, we have a page at Catalyst for Change Resiliency.